find me. Good morning. Got to find one last, one last thing. It's nice to have everyone here. It's a great time of fellowship to get together. Um, we've been going through the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul was Timothy's mentor. Paul was guiding Timothy. He found this kid in Lystra and um, started to mentor him, disciple him, uh, teach him. Now he left him in Ephesus to um, deal with the situations that were there. Paul had to move on and go someplace else, but he left him in charge. And we're coming at this section that reflects upon the entire previous section. Um, and so we kind of have to go back a little bit um, real quickly to talk about um, what was going on so that Paul wraps this part up. Um, but before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today and thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to learn at your feet. I pray to God that you will guide us, that you will lead us uh, today. Dear God, I pray that as we discover uh, the depth of Paul's letter to Timothy, that somehow, some way, we can apply it to ourselves. I pray to God um, that you will open up our eyes and open up our hearts today and teach us something new. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we find ourselves in First uh, Timothy three fourteen through sixteen, just this last couple verse section, three verses. And um, so far, what we've covered is at the very beginning, Paul is writing to Timothy to remind him you have to confront those who are teaching false teachings. So he tells him, look, you have to confront them in love, confront them, tell them they're not teaching. It's not based on speculation or genealogies or all these extra things that people bring in. It says you have to confront them, you have to tell them to stop doing that, they're teaching false uh, false gospel or teaching something that is not in accordance with the gospel of Jesus. Um, the men were busy at doing all the wrong things and Paul reminds the men, hey, get busy at praying, lifting up your holy hands, praying to God. Um, again, telling that church in Ephesus through Timothy, um, don't be busy at the wrong things, be busy at the right things. Um, Alula shared with us about the women and not, not to be something that on the outside you're wearing all this jewelry, but something that you're precious on the inside. And Alula shared with us the, the worth, uh, a woman's worth. Um, and, and how uh, Paul's addressing specific situations in the church. Um, about women and leadership and authority. He then goes on to talk about overseers, uh, elders, if you will, telling them this is how you need to act. These are the instructions that I'm giving you. Uh, a husband of, uh, of a faithful husband to a wife. Watch how you act. Watch the things you say. Not to be greedy. Um, not to uh, abuse your position, but to, to but to help and guide other people when you when you're doing that full of wisdom um, then he, we talked about last week about deacons or the servants in, in the Greek uh, table waiters if you will and he talks about how them as well need to be faithful it's a family affair uh, and that their conduct and how what they do matters and so Paul is wrapping up this entire section and he's doing it because things are going bad in Ephesus because things in Ephesus are falling apart. And when you look at a church that's falling apart, when you look at church and their, their attitude doesn't match 
their theology or their actions don't match up what they believe, that creates a significant problem. And so Paul writes to Timothy and says, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing to you these instructions so that, so I'm giving you these lessons so that something could happen, right? So that if I'm delayed, saying maybe I might not show up, I don't know. If I can make it, I will. If I can't, I don't know. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. He says, I'm giving you these instructions, and these instructions are the ones that he's talked all about until now. Saying Again, he's mentoring Timothy, saying, these are the things that I want you to do. These are the things I want you to tell these people. These are the things, these instructions I want to give you, so that um, uh, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. What Paul cares about is conduct. I, t- I titled the sermon, um, Actions Matter. That was a terrible title. I'm sorry. If you guys have a pen, cross that out. Because it's, it's more holistic than just actions. Just feel free to be like, that's a terrible title. Erase it. Instead, um, I put, uh, a t- this is a matter of manners. Retitle it. It's a matter of manners. Because action just implies what we do. And it's way more than just that it's about conduct it's about it's about all this all-encompassing every single part of our speech of our life of how we interact with each other of our thoughts everything is coming under control that paul says these are the instructions on how people should have should conduct themselves or mind their manners in god's household how many of you guys had household rules growing up come on now Household rules. Can I hear some of your household rules? And give me like the bizarre ones. You guys have any household rules? No what? No phones after 8 p.m.? I like that rule. I probably break a lot. Especially considering the new phones are rarely used as phones. Anything else? Huh? No bad words? Okay. Make sure the chickens are back in. Okay. Assuming you have chickens. That's not, that'd be weird. Huh? Yes, a curfew hour. Okay. Yeah, I had that too. Okay, be quiet. I need to have that rule. <laughs> Noah? New rule. No talking. That's just no talking. I just stop it there. No talking. Anything else? Uh-huh. This is true. And I like the fact that it rhymes. I like that. I like that. We had a lot of rules growing up. One, one rule in our house is you weren't allowed to say you didn't like a food. We, did, we couldn't say, I don't like that food. You know what happened if I said I didn't like a food? Mom's like, oh, I, you said you want more? We could not say we didn't like it, and which is helpful if you're the children of a missionary and you go to different countries and they give you food that you don't recognize, doesn't smell correctly to you. This isn't a cheeseburger. What is this? What is this food? Um, and we had to eat it no matter what. And that doesn't mean you can't, uh, you don't have to ask for more. You have to fake it, but you weren't allowed to be disgusted by food. To this day, there's foods I don't like. 
but I will shut my mouth and I will eat them because my parents say, you aren't allowed to say, you know, and my parents would. They'd say, I don't like this food. Okay, here's another spoonful. Enjoy it. We were not allowed uh, to say that, but all of us have these household rules and, and well, there, there are certainly themes that run in common, um, but there's a lot of times when we have, maybe you guys didn't have all the same rules that your friends had. Maybe you didn't, um, have like maybe a curfew rule for you was different for than other houses. Maybe in my family we weren't allowed to not like certain food. The only thing we were allowed to say was I don't prefer it, but I'll eat it. That was the approved message of of um, our dis- distaste for the food. I don't prefer it, mom. But we would we'd have these rules, and maybe you guys didn't have them. So some rules are unique to those house rules, and 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 it depends on the family, your upbringing, or how you conduct yourself. And it's no different in the house of God, where God is in charge. And he says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself. This is how I want you to act. I think often sometimes when we go throughout life, we have these kind of reactionary rules or we have these rules that fit society at that time. I just want you to think about for a second, this exercise, that this happens, our rules change or what we allow or what we don't allow change over time. Think about what were some of the rules that things that we do today that are totally common right maybe with how we dress or how we talk or how we act that a hundred years ago you would have been beaten with an inch of your life if you did that then a lot of them what about 50 years ago things that we do today totally common girls wearing jeans <gasps> i can't believe you're leaving the house like that or Think about all the other things, how we act, the things that we say, how even even today, like how young people sometimes talk to adults. Man, even if it wasn't your kid, you would have lost a tooth like 20, 30 years ago. You talk like that to any adult and you would have lost a tooth for it and the parent would have said, good job. I mean, think about how parents interact with teachers today, right? Teachers, I mean, when I went to school, can you just stay right here? It's a little embarrassing. I got spanked at school. I got spanked at school they wouldn't even think about doing that today do you know why i got spanked because i called someone stupid because i called and, and that's not good right but think about how strict that was and and that was pretty common for me i was nine years old ten years old called someone stupid in fourth grade got the spanking at school by a teacher today teachers wouldn't even think of doing that much less for calling someone else stupid kids can say almost whatever they want these days and the teacher would be the one that's at fault if they did anything about it our rules change over time but this is the thing that we as the house of god our rules don't change we don't accommodate for society we don't say well it's okay there so uh, we can just do this now Right? It's not that big of a deal considering what everyone else does around us. What Paul cares about so intensely is that we, as the house of God, there's a certain and proper way that we need to conduct ourselves because our reputation matters. One thing that I, I, I talk a lot about you know, to my kids is there's some things that we have to do as a family. And one of those things, and I've shared this before, is we share as a family. That's what we do. And sometimes my kids get mad because we'll go over to other kids' house and they're like, well, they're not sharing. Why do I have to? And the same result, the same thing I tell my kids, because we do. We don't do because other people do it. We do it because that's who we are. 
That's not because we're not going to share because they're not going to share. We're not going to react to what other people do. We do it because that is what we're made of. And I told my kids this. You want to go to a different family? Feel free. But in this family, we share. In this family, if you want to live with this family, this is how we act. Done deal. There is not another option. I don't care if your friends don't share. You might go to your friends out and they might hide all the toys from you and that might make you upset and want to do that to them when they come. But we don't do that here in this family. We do not conduct ourselves that way. And what, what Paul is trying to say, in the household of God, there are manners, ways that we conduct our life that you cannot opt out of. Because our reputation matters. Things that we say, ways that we carry ourselves, how we interact with other people, and everything from our finances to our work environment to our family environment, there are certain things that when we become the, in the family and the household of God, it's His rules, not our rules. They don't change based on culture or society. They just are, just like if we're going to be a part of them. If you want to live in this family, you have to act this way. You have to conduct yourself this way. The word um, in Greek, to conduct, means to overturn, to turn about, this idea of movement. As you move along in your life, as you conduct yourself, as you journey through this life, there's an expectation about how you need to live. And he laid that completely out in front. And, and in Ephesus, there were a lot of different religions. There were a lot of different things going on. But Paul says, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter how they practice their religion. It doesn't matter what they do. It matters what we do because our reputation matters. You need to conduct yourself in a certain way. And like clockwork, God always tests me the day I'm supposed to preach a sermon about how we conduct our lives, our manners. Yesterday, riding our bikes, and uh, they put this little detour in uh, over in Woodenville. So riding up, riding down. Mia's still kind of nervous, still kind of hesitant. Um, she she did ride eight miles, though. That's impressive. Uh, eight miles, two times she's done it so far. And so we're we're headed back home, and it's a it's a congested area, right? And. Um, so we're going down, we're going down this kind of like hill area. We're going around the detour and this guy comes flying in. Like he's, he's on his like $3,000 bike, whatever. He's come flying in and he goes by and Mia gets scared because he sees him coming because it's a real, it's like a 90 degree turn. And sees him coming in real fast. It's kind of downhill. When we're going downhill, he's coming up. And he cuts around the corner. And Mia freaks out a little bit. And she falls over. And I'm like, hey, watch where you're going. This is a congested area. You need to slow down. Right? I'm like, mm. Mm. My kid fell over. It's really her own fault. But still, I'm getting mad at him. And do you know what this guy says? He says, quit blocking the trail. Uh-uh. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. I turned around, and I turned around, and it's like, I ain't going to catch him. Nor was I really going to try to, but I felt like I wanted to think, for him to think that I was going to try to, because he really ticked me off, because he's completely inconsiderate. I mean, this clown is saying, you know, uh, quit blocking the trail, and he's the one shoving his entitled being 
into this area where you need to slow down, you need to watch what other people are doing. There's kids riding a bike. It's a trail for the whole family. This doesn't belong to you, and you're maybe trying to make record time to Redmond or wherever you're biking to, but it's not your personal tour day Edmonds or tour day Woodenville. This is a family thing that we're doing, and he tells me that I need to, or my daughter needs to watch because she's blocking the trail and so it's those moments where you know you can't do anything about it but you feel like you have to raise your chest and i'm like noah because he's right no hold me back noah hold me i'm gonna get him hold me back noah let it let me at him Noah. because i knew there's just no way i'm gonna catch this guy and i knew that noah really couldn't hold me back but that's just what you say but there in that moment in in a very tender way was like um you know like that tap on the shoulder like hey randy I don't mean to, you know, mean to bother your rage fest here, but tomorrow, if you recall, you're talking about conduct and God's rules when you're a part of his family. So you might not want to say what you're thinking inside your head because that would be hypocritical of you. I'm like, uh, it took me a while to calm down. I was super ticked. Um, but the reality is, when God calls us that we're living a part of his conduct, that means all of it. Not just when we want to. Not just when people treat us right. Maybe there's something going on or a story in your own work where somebody's gossiping about you and saying things that aren't false. That doesn't give you the right to go mistreat them because they did to you. Maybe if somebody cut you off or somebody said something wrong to you, like me yesterday, that doesn't give you the right to talk. Because what if for some other reason someone came in needing to talk about Jesus and you're like, oh, you're the guy that yelled at me for riding a bike? Because how we conduct ourselves matters. And it's not reactionary. One thing my parents told me and I tell my kids today, what you choose to do has nothing to do with what somebody did to you. It's your choice whether you want to react to it or not. You cannot blame other people for what you choose to do. And maybe the world acts a certain way. Maybe other people will do something. But in that moment, I can choose not to respond to that hatred and move along my way because maybe they act that way, but it said, in my household, you don't. It doesn't matter what other people do. You don't. We don't give to live a reactionary life or we don't let other people determine how we follow the rules in God's household. God's in charge. It's his house. We live in a certain way. Done deal. And how everything we do, every movement we make from getting up in the morning, getting ready for work, uh, going to work, living our life, coming home, our shopping, our weekends, our holidays, our driving, all the things, you know, it, it, every aspect of our life has to come under the conducts of how we mind our manners in the household of God. And other people do things differently, but we don't. We don't. And this is what Paul cares about. This is as how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And this is because... Or which, he goes on, he says, because which is the church of the living God. Which is the church of the living God. He says, conduct yourselves in this way because you belong to, in God's household, which is the church of the living God. From the very beginning, the Israelites wanted to do things their way. 
And God had one rule to them. You know, honor me. But there was one rule that stood out. He says, don't be like other countries around you. Don't look at other nations and do what they do and worship their gods. I want you to be my people. I want you to serve me. I want you to be my country. And then I can show the world everything, how they need to act. They will see me work through you. And because of that, other people, other nations will be drawn to you because of how you conduct yourself. So I don't want you to adopt the practices of other nations. I don't want you to do what other people to do. I want you to be my people and I'll be your God. And guess what Israel did? The exact opposite. From the get-go. Well, other people have kings. I want a king too. Other people have this. I want to do this. Or they're worshiping this God. Why can't we worship that God? Or they're acting in this way. Why can't we do? Or they have this. Why can't we do? And we do this throughout our life, don't we? Where we look at other people and say, but you're supposed to be different because you are in the household of a living God. And this is what I think Paul is trying to say is God is alive. God is active. He's not like other, he's not like other gods. God has a plan. And if you don't live according or conduct yourself according to the household of God, you're getting in the way of that plan. God isn't a God that says he's just out there alone, away, different, and he's setting his people out and says, you just go do this. No, God has a plan. He's intimately involved with his people. And when we live our life in a conduct that doesn't reflect him, it messes up his plan. Just think about how the, the, when church actions, again, I'll go back to Bill Hybels, who royally messed up and did some inappropriate things with women that were under his leadership. And how do you think that reflects on God's desire to reach out to all people in Chicago? How do you think that reflects upon that? Because God has a plan to reach out to people in Chicago. And yet at the same time, because of what he did, his, his, his actions reflect poorly on the house of God. Because God is an active God. God is a God who's alive. He's not sitting on the sidelines. He's not a dead God. He's not some kind of statue. He's alive and he's active and he has a plan for this world. This is why Paul says it's so important to watch how you conduct yourself because it reflects poorly upon God. Because God wants us to be involved in the work that he has today. And we're not. This is why it matters that when I was going to say something horrible and very unchristlike to this guy on a bicycle. No, Randy, because God wants to save him too. Remember a, f- a few uh, weeks ago when I was talking about how Paul says, I want even those who don't like you, I want you to pray for all people so that all people can be saved because God wants to save all people. It's the same thing. How we conduct ourselves matters because God has a plan. And when you try to live your life to your own desires, you interfere with that plan. You get in the way of that plan. God is an active God, is an alive God. Remember that as you continue out your life, that God is there and actively involved in reaching out to all all people at all time he's an active god he's a god who is alive he's a living god here's the last part which is the church of the living god a gathering of the living god is the pillar and foundation of truth how many of you say foundation in your bible you say pillar and foundation i put did I put found, pillar and foundation? How many of you have foundation in your Bible? Raise your hand. I'm asking you legit foundation. Is it? Oh, you can't. Scratch that out. It's the wrong translation. It's okay to write in your Bible. It's okay. This is pillar. Foundation is not the right word. 
Protector, I think is a better word for that word. It might mean something in foundation, but in other places it was not translated as foundation. It was translated as protection, as something that protects. And, and this, is, this is what I think Paul is saying. And, and let, follow along with this. We need to watch how we conduct ourselves, minding our manners, because we are uh, the church, the gathering of a living God, because the gospel has been entrusted to us, the truth about who Jesus is has been entrusted to us, and we are the pillar, the vessel, the support system, the, the thing, we aren't the important part, the gospel is the important part, but we carry this gospel with us everywhere we go, and so if the vessel is acting in accordance, uh, is acting against what the gospel is saying, it reflects poorly on what is inside, right? And this is what God wants to do. If we are a vessel for God's salvation for the entire world, how we conduct ourselves matters. Because he says, as a church, I want you to conduct yourself in a certain way because you carry the truth. And if you are the one who's carrying this gospel, if you're carrying this truth, the pillar and protector of this truth, he says, um, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the of the truth. You guys, the pillar protector, the one that surrounds, that upholds it, if we as a church are knocking these pillars down, if we're not being the protector of this truth that we have, what happens to the truth? It gets distorted. It gets knocked down. It gets manipulated and used for other people's purposes, which is exactly what Paul was talking out at the very beginning. Where these leaders are coming in and teaching something that isn't in accordance with the gospel. Because they aren't being the pillars and and the protectors of this gospel. Because how we conduct ourselves, how we live as a church, it matters. How you live your life as someone who's a part of this church, it matters for the same reason when I talk to my kids. How you represent this family, how you and your attitude reflect upon us as Caldwells matters. And it will more so, I mean, as a five-year-old people understand but when he's 15 or 25 or 30 or 40 how he lives his life matters how we live our life and how we interact with other people it matters because we hold this truth because we believe in an act of god a god who has a plan for the world and when we disrespect and we do not uphold the gospel it falls apart this is the exact same thing that God was trying to do through Israel. God was God goes to Abraham and says, "I'm I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to I'm going to give you this this covenant so that then I can make a covenant with the whole world, a plan for the whole world." And Abraham said, "Sure," and he followed it. And then Israel again and again walked away from that promise. They walked away from their covenant. They started doing what their neighboring countries did. But what God's original plan? Since we walked away from Him, His original plan was, "I'm going to find a way back into your lives, and I'm going to use Israel to be a beacon for the rest of the world, to show them this is the God of all things." But Israel didn't represent that very well. Time and time again, they distorted God's truth. Time and time again, they walked away. And God wants to do the same thing with us. God says, I'm going to use the church as my hands and feet in this world. I'm going to use the church as a vessel for my purpose. But when we as a church 
where there's fighting, there's greed, there's, there's pride, there's envy, there's all these things that Paul previously talked about that are happening. There's unfaithfulness. There's um, people trying to push their way to the front. There's all these things going on. It distracts from the gospel that God wants us to preach. Are you following me? So when we as a church are dedicated to say, we're going to be the household of God, we have to live like it. It's His rules, not ours. Not based on society, not based on culture, but based only on Him. And we don't have to react with what other people do. If other people are greedy, you don't have to be. If other people use their position at their job to treat those inferior to you, you don't have to do that. If we have other people in this country that, you, that choose to use their position and authority for their own purpose, you don't have to do that. If someone says false lies about you, if they're, if they're fighting you, if they're doing all these things, you do not have to respond back in the same way that they do it to you. Because in the house of God, we conduct ourselves in a certain way. So let's live up to that. Even when I'm biking, even though this jack wagon decided to almost run over my daughter. I heard that term for the first time this week, and I like it, jack wagon. Decide to almost run over my daughter. It does not give me the right to yell at him, even though he probably deserved it. Because I live a part of another household. I live in a different household that's commanded not by my feelings or sentiments, but by God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. I pray that as we painfully reflect upon our own life, as we painfully examine our actions and our attitudes towards our family members, maybe towards our friends, towards our enemies, towards our coworkers, towards people that we don't even know, you got to pray that they align themselves, not with what this culture says is appropriate, but with what you call us to live by protect our actions, protect our words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak, continue to speak inside of my life and tell me, watch your mouth because I do not want to live my life as something other than something that would reflect your household. I want to carry your name well, God. I want to reflect your glory well. I pray that we as a church will continue to do that. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing our closing song. You were the word at the beginning.
politics into what I talk about. Um, and allow me just two seconds to, to reflect on that. Jesus is, during Jesus' time, um, there were two different, I mean, it's not as simple as this, but there's two different thoughts about this. Um, some of the Jews wanted for everything to stay as it is. That the Rome was in power, and usually it was the leaders. Rome was in power, and they wanted Jesus to leave things alone. That he was messing up the system, and he was putting things out of control. And they were saying, stop, Jesus, what you're doing. And there were the other group of people that said, Noah, Jesus, I want you to kick Rome out. I don't like the way the system is set up. I want you to demolish this. I, I, don't, I don't want things to be the same. We don't want to be under Rome's control anymore. So I want you to do something about it. So there are these two opposite feelings going on to Jews. Do you know what Jesus chose? Something completely other. And if there's ever a time when I feel... Um, maybe you have these undertones of politics that are brought into it. It's not for the intention of preaching one side or the other. Because I think Jesus calls us to a third completely different. That's not left. It's not right. It's not conservative. It's not liberal. It's 
Jesus' kingdom, not any other kingdom. And this is why I think Paul ended in what, what he said. And let me share it with you. At the end it says, And beyond all question, the mystery of which true great godliness springs is great. He says this, He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the, by the Spirit, was seen by the angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in the glory. Was, 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 was. These are the things that happened. Because when in this world the church gets dragged left, the church gets dragged right, all these things happen. And what I want to do more than anything is say, forget all of that, just the gospel. Not left, not right. We won't be used by any other institution other than pursuing God's kingdom here on earth. Because in, in, in Ephesus, when things were getting crazy, when people were preaching things that didn't align with the gospel, Paul drags Timothy back to the beginning and says, it's just about this. It's just that Jesus, he, he uh, appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit or or validated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the nations. He was believed on in the world and was taken up in the glory. It's the simplicity of the gospel. No need to complicate it more than that. And that is, if, if ever you feel, I give you complete permission to come and talk to me about it. But it was never my intention to push one way or another. I see the church too often used for other people's purposes manipulated so other people can use this, their platform to use it as the church's platform and it's not true the only thing I'm worried about, the only thing I'm concerned with is preaching the gospel to all people and the gospel is that Jesus came, he died for our sins and he told us to tell other people about it it's just that simple and if we stick to the thing, if we stick to the main point, if we don't get distracted by the circus that life is I think that will honor Jesus. And that's why Paul said the same thing to them. Don't get distracted by everything else. Just live for, just live for Jesus. Preach his message. And that's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we leave today, dear God. I pray that we will please live our life, our conduct, our manners will, re- will reflect your gospel that we will be good vessels of the truth that you have entrusted to us, dear God. That we will not manipulate it, that we will not use it, that we will not, it will not be hijacked by anything else, but it's just you, Jesus. And it's not about making the church great, it's not about any of that, it's about making you great. We are simply the vessels, we simply take it along with us, dear God. I pray, dear Jesus, that we will reflect the true character of who you are in all of our actions. That people may see us and that it will, our lives will point to you. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done. Thank you for allowing us to be in a position to where our lives can honor you. We are humbled by that. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.